This podcast is brought to you by the Kansas Hospital Association. Hello, welcome to Plain Spoken. I'm Karen Brayman with the Kansas Hospital Association, and our topic today is physician perspectives on and effective strategies to address vaccine hesitancy. Our guests today who will share their experience in this area are Dr. Carrie Nilsson, psychologist and director of family medicine research at the KU School of Medicine in Wichita, and Dr. Jeremy Presley, family physician with Family Practice Associates of Western Kansas in Dodge City. Dr. Nilsson and Dr. Presley, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, vaccines have probably been the single most effective public health measure in history and have prevented millions of deaths due to infectious disease over the last century. Yet data has shown a reduction in wellness immunizations due to the pandemic. While many patients are getting caught back up on their care, there also seems to be hesitancy among some patients or their family or caregivers about immunizations. A few months ago, I came across a study about Kansas family physicians' perceptions of parental vaccination hesitancy that was conducted at KU School of Medicine in Wichita, and Dr. Nilsson being the primary investigator, uh, along with a medical student, Kale Mills. I'm going to go ahead and kick it off with having Dr. Nilsson talk to us uh, about the study. So, Dr. Nilsson, will you describe the study that Uh, you and Kale conducted and the study findings? Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me today. So we, you know, developed this study based on a prior survey that had been done um, earlier in the 2000s. And we were really interested in knowing specifically about Kansas family physicians' perceptions of of their patients' vaccine hesitancy. So we're really lucky in the Department of Family Medicine at KU Wichita to have what's called the FM radio. So it's the Family Medicine um, Research and Data Information Office, so FM radio. Um, and, And that is comprised of all of our residency graduates from the beginning of our residency programs who have stayed in Kansas. They have very graciously agreed to respond to these quick hitter surveys that we send out. We send them about about three times a year. So we ended up getting, sometimes it's hit or miss. This was done the fall before uh, COVID hit in March of 2020. So between like September and October of Um, 2019. And so this survey doesn't include the COVID vaccine. And it's really interesting because in the intro, we're talking about, you know, epidemics and using vaccines for for these epidemics. And then, you know, as soon as we get this published, um, we see this pandemic happen. So I think it was kind of nice to already have this information um, sort of in our in our pocket. The the main results of this, of course, were um, not a lot of physicians had actually um, experienced parents asking for their their vaccines for their children's to be delayed, but they had gotten quite a few patients who had concerns about vaccines themselves. Um, The most commonly refused vaccines that the the family physicians saw were the HPV vaccine, um, the influenza, so the flu shot, and then the MMR. But patients were less likely to refuse the, the Hib shot, the pneumococcal shots or hep A shots. So we didn't ask sort of open-ended questions about why those three specifically would have been the the least refused, but. Dr. Nelson, thank you so much for summarizing the uh, study and what a great resource to have 
you know, specific to Kansas family physician perceptions of parental vaccination hesitancy. Well, Dr. Presley, do these perceptions sound familiar to you? And are there other perceptions or issues that come to mind as well uh, regarding patient or family hesitancy about immunization? Absolutely, Aaron. Um, you know, Dr. Nelson's study was very spot on with what we see in clinical practice. I mean, and now granted, I think I did respond to that, that, re, that trial though too. So maybe some of those were my answers, but uh, it, it's very much consistent with what we see. Uh, and, that, and that study being pre-COVID, I, you know, I would say it's that and then some now. Uh, that, that's the, the sad and the frustrating part was unfortunately with COVID, it, it kind of sparked a, uh, a new uptake of, of vaccine, vaccine hesitancy and um, vaccine questioning. Now, you know, I always try to look at the glass half full in that respect and say, okay, well, I've got patients asking questions. Well, let me take this opportunity to educate them to the best of my abilities. But it, but on the flip side, it, yes, my biggest fear with, with COVID and the COVID vaccine was, is that it was going to continue to drive that into a deeper, a deeper chasm. And, and, and I'll say that we're seeing that some in practice. I mean, I, and, you know, and then from that perspective, you kind of have to reapproach your strategy. Uh, you know, I think I've really adapted more of the, hey, I'm going to bring up the fact that we got behind because we weren't coming into the offices or things weren't getting you know done as timely as what they could be due to COVID. And, but we're back here and we're, we're back on track and we need to get back on track. And especially with the uh, childhood vaccines and saying, well, let's get these done and say, here, we're due for this, this and this. And um, just as I always would before, it was never a question. It was a this is what's expected. Uh, and. And then once I know that we're on board with that, then I open the door uh, with the, you know, around some of the newer vaccines, i.e. COVID, of course, being the most new. Uh, and with that, uh, then going through those apprehensions, questions, and concerns, but making sure that I've got the good old standard tried and true that we really need that are very, very important for years and decades now, uh, that we make sure that we're getting those. Because I found that if you lead off with the other question first of saying, hey, we're due for vaccines and, you know, your child's old enough, we can get the COVID vaccine now. And so let's go ahead and, and jump on that too. And and then they hit the brakes on everything uh, and you don't want to lose that ground. So I've definitely, you know, tried a more diligent effort and let's make sure we've got what's, you know, what's consistent, what we're at. Um, I, I can understand parents' apprehensions around the newest of the vaccines and, and where that is. And then that's a bigger conversation. Well, Dr. Presley, you raised a really important point, and that is about, you know, taking those uh, questions and concerns and seeing them as an opportunity for a discussion to hear what those questions and concerns are, and then addressing those questions and I think that thematically was represented in the study uh, as well. Um, well, the most common response in the study uh, from Kansas family physicians about perceptions as to why parents or guardians refuse vaccinations is that parents possess a fear of long-term complications for their children as a result of vaccinations. And Dr. Presley, you mentioned this a bit too, um, but are there strategies that, that you use in your practice to address those concerns or fears about potential complications? Um, and have you found one strategy that may be more effective over another? The, the, the simple answer that I have for my patients, you know, I, I give them the science answer. I give them the, I'm your doctor answer and I care about you and your child. Uh, my summary answer is 
I have three children, their pictures are right there on the wall and every one of them is vaccinated and why, you know, and, and I think one of, you know, the example I use a lot, you know, talking about a Dr. Nelson study, you know, one of the hesitancies, uh, you know, MMR being up, up there in that rank, I bring up the point in my, you know, personal tale of, of my youngest child's uh, troubles with, he actually acquired mumps um, as a four-year-old. He, uh, you know, is fully vaccinated. He's one of the unfortunate non-responders probably. Uh, and, and as we know, you know, the science behind it, we have to have herd immunity and this is why we have to have herd immunity. And, and in my not so small town, but smaller than metropolitan area of Dodge City, there obviously was, you know, uh, we didn't have the herd wasn't protecting him. Uh, and so, uh, in, and then I use that as the talking point for, you know, here's what happened. And in this situation, maybe we're not always protecting just our kid, but we're protecting everybody's kiddos. And then when we talk about those long-term complications, you know, that boy, I mean, mumps is, you know, one of the most potentially catastrophic. I mean, I mean, not saying that dying from measles is not catastrophic, but if you're worried about long-term, you know, long-term complications, you know, short of death, uh, mumps is a terrible disease. I mean, the, the long-term complexities there, we don't know, I mean, what's going to happen, you know, who's going to have permanent sterility when he ages and all these kind of things and, and things that we don't have answers for right away either. And so, you know, and, and, and then that's how I approach my vaccine hesitant patients and families. Well, thanks, Dr. Presley. And you raise you have such a critical point about comparing to the risk of the infectious disease itself, too. Um, but also your strategy of talking not only as as the physician and as the medical expert, but also as a parent, um, too, who's who's gone through and kind of made those same uh, decisions as well. Well, Dr. Nilsson, with your background as well as a community psychologist and what you've seen in this study, what other strategies have you seen to be effective in addressing uh, fears or concerns and um, you know, really kind of focusing on the uh, facts and the science that Dr. Presley alluded to? Yes, having some sort of um, you know, layperson's story of how vaccines work is often helpful. Um, in some practices, they've been really successful in having one of the nursing staff really, really like educated in either motivational interviewing or, you know, assessing stages of change and, and that person being the one to take the time to sit down with patients and go through, you know, any specific fears, I think is also um, an effective strategy. Dr. Presley, did you have anything to that? You probably, you of course see it more often than I do, but. I, I think you're absolutely correct, Dr. Nelson. It goes back to, and, and I definitely don't try to dabble in your work. Um, I, I try to learn from all of our psycho psychology <laughs> colleagues, um, but I distinctly remember uh, getting, getting taught as a medical student, the, you know, it's in the framing of the question so much and how you present things. And patients typically for the most part are, satisfiers they're trying majority of patients are trying to make they're trying to say the right thing and so and with that if you lead the question that hey are you hesitant about this they're going to respond with the affirmative and say yes i i, I am because you want me to be because you said it that way um, whereas if i say it and present it as hey this is what we need to do today and 
you you know you don't have any concerns about that because it, it's what's right it's what was expected you don't ask me about why we're going to prescribe amoxicillin for the strep throat you're just happy we're going to do it and you're happy that i'm going to protect your child and tell them all the right things to do and, and when that comes to vaccines too and so and the example i like to use there is gardasillin and that was you know the top at your, you know, in the study that you did, um, I trained, so I was in medical school when Gardasil came out, you know, and unfortunately the state of Kansas has then struggled, uh, in our, my, my pediatric colleagues, um, helped lead a big push. Oh gosh. Starting about seven years ago now that just, you know, really tried to help because our, our state numbers, Gardasil vaccine wise, or I'm sorry, HPV vaccine wise across the state, or, you know, compared to the nation, I'm in mean, the bottom five for the entire nation. And I found that I've had much better luck and much better reception, you know, just presenting it in the same conversation of here's what's required right now for your child for school. Uh, and here's what we also, this is what I also medically recommend for you to do for your child forever. You know, it's, we're not just trying to prevent them while they're in school uh, and that we just want to do this now. Have you started with the HPV vaccine, framing it as a more a cancer prevention vaccine? Because I think that was the message we got. American Cancer Association, I know, is really trying to push for that. Absolutely. Well, you both have raised really good points about how to open up those lines of communications, relying on the relationships uh, with your patients, um, and then the importance of how a question is framed or just even how to open up that uh, conversation. Um, well, vaccine hesitancy can be described, I think, as a continuum with some patients or caregivers maybe having no hesitancy at all, are ready, staying on schedule, and, and can't wait to receive all the recommended immunizations to others, maybe denying uh, all of them. And then, um, you know, uh, all sorts of positions along that continuum. Are there any other best practices that each of you might recommend for making patients feel comfortable, feel heard, and then uh, really how to kind of approach it from the perspective of making inter-incremental progress. And Dr. Presley, I think maybe you had commented earlier on, well, you want to, you know, go ahead and kind of have that conversation, you know, with that patient or with their family member while they're there in the office uh, with you. Anything else you, you would want to add about that? I think, you know, for those who are truly kind of digging in on it and say, no, no, I'm not ready. Um, you know, I always like to say, hey, let's, okay, what, you know, obviously you open the door and you answer their questions and you try to provide the best answers that you can. And I always like to ask them, you know, you know what experiences have you had that have led you to this point? You know, because you, you've got to meet the patient where they're at. Uh, it's a lot different. You know, we all kind of maybe stereotypically kind of place everybody in that, well, they saw this on Facebook or Snapchat, and this is why their belief is that way. I really try to ask the question and then find what that is and, and then go from there. Now, yeah, I mean, a lot of times it is a Google search that just made them hesitant um, because they went down that that wormhole and, and got the, got down, you can find anything on the internet okay. if you dig long enough, obviously. So, you know, I think trying to find where those patients are and then answer to that question more specifically. And if you still haven't moved the needle at the end of the day, you know, they're still my patient. I'm still going to care for them. I'm, I'm still going to be there for them, but I emphasize with them. And this is a personal thing and everybody's practices are different, but I think Dr. Nelson's study uh, touched on this well, that, uh, you know, there's a lot of practices then that have developed a, a 
you know, plan that, okay, if you're going to refuse vaccines, we're not going to decline you as a patient or, or make you leave our practice. That's not what any of us want. And we all understand the greater good there. Uh, but that I've got to still protect all the rest of my patients, especially in family practice. I'm not just dealing with pediatrics all day and, and have a waiting room full of, you know, some fragile elderly, a lot of times, you know, chemotherapy patients, people who are immunosuppressed for various reasons. And I've just, and that's how I present it to my patients. I care for all of you all the same. I respect your concerns and your apprehensions around this. I'm going to keep asking you about it. I, you know, and I say it, you know, maybe with a smile on my face and a little bit of a laugh so that they know that I'm not, Hey, I'm still here for you and we still have a partnership, but I'm going to keep asking you about it. So just be comfortable continuing to have this conversation with me because I, I don't quit asking about it as I don't quit asking about my patients getting their mammograms and colonoscopies that they never want to do either. Uh, and so I'm going to keep asking because that's my job and I'm always going to care about you, but I also have to care about all my other patients and I got to protect them. And so with that, you know, I do ask my patients who are, you know, complete vaccine refusals that don't want to do any of their immunizations, especially their childhood vaccines up, um, that I do ask them to sign a, a you know, a, a letter saying that they understand this, that they're accepting of the consequences, but most importantly, that they're respecting my clinic policies around keeping them safe, just as I'm trying to keep all the rest of my patients safe. Um, and that we have, you know, means of trying to do the best that we can with that. Take it on a case by case basis, but yeah, ex excellent point. And you raised a number of really good strategies. Uh, well, see, you both raised uh, another really important um, point at the top of our uh, conversation, and that was around relationships. And just thinking about, you know, we're in summer now, uh, but school will be starting back up in a few months, and we'll be getting into uh flu season soon as well. Are there other recommendations that uh, uh, either of you might have? May is always an interesting time in Kansas because we always, uh, the middle of May is the cutoff and I, I never remember exactly which day, but there's a day in the middle of May that you can get your sports physicals after that date. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then they carry to the next year. Uh, and so, and it's always the funniest thing because school gets out and it's, it's like right around when school gets out and then like all of a sudden I'm doing sports physicals. Um, I use every one of those opportunities. Um, and I use that opportunity then to say, Hey, you know, you're up to date on your vaccines right now, but next year or two years from now, your next one's going to be due. I just want to give you that reminder this year that, Hey, just remember, we got to do that in two years. Like it's really important or, Hey, you're getting ready to go to college and you really need this meningitis vaccine because I really, you're going to go live in a dorm. You're going to live in these group housing. You're going to play sports, whatever it is. And, and here, I really want you to do this so that you can enjoy your time there and not, you know, not be sick or gosh forbid, have the terrible life-threatening complications that can happen from that. Um, and then with that, it's, it's just goes right on as Dr. Nelson said earlier, it's, it's about all the prevention. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to touch on their vaccine every time I see them for those visits, because it's, like I said, it's once a year and they think they're in and out for this quick little sports physical for me to sign their paper. And I'm like, oh no, no, we're talking about, you know, do you wear your seatbelt? Do you wear your helmet when you ride your bike and your four-wheeler and your motorcycle? And do you, um, you know, and are you drinking, smoking, vaping and, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I always get, now my patients, I grew, I, you know, I, I prepped them for this their whole life growing up. So as they're becoming those preteens ages and their things, I'm starting to ask those questions. So they're getting comfortable and they know, and, and it's funny now that I've been in practice long enough to kind of see some of these kids grow a little bit. It's, it's always funny to see that like, they expect it, <laughs> and, and it, but it's great because it's the reassurance that they were actually listening last time. Mm -hmm. You know, they did pay attention, which means they are listening about their vaccines. And, and gosh, it's 
you know, I, I'll say it's the personal reward of, you know, you, you hit on this earlier, Karen, about how, you know, the time that it takes, um, and Dr. Nelson saw that in her study too, that, you know, it's the, the time that it takes to have the conversation around vaccine hesitance and, and around those things. Um, you know, I equated all the time, one of my previous partners, we shared an office and, and we used to joke all the time. The reason that there's overprescribing of antibiotics is because that's the fast and easy thing, you know, as the provider goes, the conversation around explaining why a viral URI is a viral URI takes three times as long as it does to send a antibiotic in. Uh, and so it, sometimes it's just that overwhelming part and you're just, and you know, you're probably already behind for the day and you've already got some other things weighing on your mind. And, and so sometimes, you know, diving into this vaccine hesitancy conversation is a, the, there's a hurdle for the provider themselves to say, Hey, oh gosh, I gotta get, I gotta get rallied around for this. I gotta get, you know, and the easy way that I do that is just, I remind myself every time that I'm not going to get this chance again for a year or two right. or, you know, whatever I'm going to, I'm going to wrestle this kid back in here for this appointment. Um, and so I've got to take advantage of this. This is my one shot. This is my day because I'm probably not going to see him for another year. And if they decide not to play basketball next year, then I may not even get to see him next year. Then. Uh, and so um, I wish that they required sports. Phys I wish they required pre-participation physicals for every activity in high school so that it made all of the kids come in. Cause I don't want to just take care of the athletic kids. I wish band and <laughs> choir and everything required a physical. So that they all had to come in for something. Right. During the year. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great suggestion. And you identified, I mean, perfect opportunities to have these conversations, including sports physicals, kids getting ready to go off to college. What great examples. Well, Dr. Nilsson and Dr. Presley, you both uh, raised some uh, really important points and really key strategies to put into place to work on improving vaccination rates. We are so appreciative of your time, and we understand, Dr. Presley, that you are going to be uh, headed out here soon to help out with the wheat harvest, so we uh, appreciate you spending the time with us, and Dr. Nelson just sharing with us the research that you've done that really has been very effective and helpful in helping in practice in Kansas as well. Well, thank you both very much for your time today. We really appreciate you spending the time with us. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you so much. It was great to talk with you guys. For more information on Kansas health issues, go to kha-net.org.